then they call their friends Ali Budu Budu do to Dukhtara as Iran you had even caught the ranch Welcome to Los Angeles Oh, there you are. I can hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, you look so beautiful. So yeah, I know. Every time we see you, you just look so angelic. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I'm serious. Thank you so much. I'm I so swear. grateful. Everything from like oh, your you long, have- you have like long, luscious hair. And like, you just always look so like... Like, just bright. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you guys look beautiful. Oh, Did you no. do your hair again or it's from yesterday? Uh, Who, me? This yeah. is just my natural hair. This is me when I don't do my hair. <laughs> that's great. That, that's lucky right there. That's great. You got beautiful hair. You guys both have long hair. Well, we're Persian. Yeah. We're all. <laughs> everywhere. Like, it's good here. Yeah, we... <laughs> <laughs> we have hair everywhere. <laughs> yeah, just like guy wish it was just limited Well, welcome to the podcast, the Persian yes. Girl Podcast. Thank you so much. We're so happy to have you here. So okay, welcome yeah. back. We have Saye Yabande. I actually I'm I every time I start an intro, I'm like not sure if I'm pronouncing the last names correctly but i think yavanda is good i just haven't heard of that usually i've heard of every persian last name yeah yeah it's you know yavanda means uh something that's someone or that you it's a founder like founder of something it comes from the word like yab yabidan like Mm. finding something so that's what the last name um uh means yeah. Well, I think I think you really embodied your own last name because you've founded a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, Saya is a polo player. She's heavily involved in charities. She produces movies. She acts. You're like a jack of all trades. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, it's it, it's great to be able to achieve your goals. But one thing you know, you said uh, I never thought about it that way. What you brought up right now that's very interesting because. Um, in my life, I have very much of a laser focused vision and I just let's say, okay, I want this, 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 or better. Mm-hmm. And if I want it, I have it or better. So, um, maybe, yeah, it goes with the last name. So, yeah. It is interesting. So- Cause in Iran, people used to choose last names based on, uh, like what job their family did. Right. Right. Like, um, like Hawkshore were like, uh, gold diggers, people that like sifted through dirt to find gold. That was like their family's trade. And it's like funny, you, you didn't choose your last name based on what you do. You kind of like just embodied what your last name means, which is like That's very cool. That's interesting. I didn't know Hawkshore. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Huh. But uh, I'm sure that like, um, you don't, you didn't mean gold digger. You mean. No. Gold. Yeah. <laughs> not, not an actual gold digger. <laughs> not in the literal. Or maybe in the literal sense and not in the 
figurative. Literal gold diggers, yeah. <laughs> Nadia, I knew you were a gold digger since the day I met you. <laughs> Just kidding, but it, it's beautiful. Thanks for uh, playing with that. I guess, uh, Saya, you could tell us a little about your background, where you grew up, uh, for all yeah. of our listeners. Sure. Uh, I was born in Tehran and then um, we moved to Shiraz because my dad uh, got a job with the university, my mom as well. So we lived there for a while. So I have a lot of awesome Shirazi friends, uh, uh, you know, Persian uh, Shirazi girls are very famous to be very beautiful and, you know, chill. And they have a very cool dialect in Shiraz, which I enjoy. It's so sweet. So I live there. Could you give us a little preview of that dialect? Um, yeah, like what words sound different in Shiraz than other parts of Iran? Um, a, a lot of words. Uh, I love listening to my friends because they are more, you know, embody that because I live there just for not my whole life, just part of my life. Um, but like, for example, the Shekam, tummy. Okay, in Farsi you say "kom." In in uh, Shirazi, so it's "kom." Like if you say "shekam dard mikone," "mige mige," "kom dard mikone." You understand? So there are some things that make it so cute, but um, yeah, it has a different meaning. Or um, I, I very much enjoy that uh, dialect. So, how long were you in Shiraz for? I was in Shiraz for elementary, middle school, and then the first, I think first year, first year of high school, I moved back to Tehran. Um, and, uh, but you know, my, some of my best friends are from Shiraz. Uh, I, I'm still in touch with some, my, my childhood best friend, her name is Asiye. I love her so much. She still lives in Shiraz with her uh, husband. And she actually managed to come see me when I, I went to, um, Armenia that was mm -hmm. the closest thing that she could come and she came and saw me and uh, yeah I really enjoyed listening to her just talk because of that dialect uh, and then we moved to Tehran and um, I chose to go to Hunaristan you know what Hunaristan is? No, no Hunaristan. Hunaristan you know it's Dabiristan and then it's Hunaristan and the uh, perception of that back then was that the uh, dumber uh, kids go to Hunaristan because they're incapable of, <laughs> <laughs> of going to Dabiristan. So they go to Hunaristan. So and me and Natalie would have gone to Hunaristan. <laughs> 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 so I, I was, a, I, so I chose Hunaristan. But guess what? I really think it was part of because dyslexia. I have mild dyslexia. Oh, and I okay. came across them. So, <laughs> so I ran with it. I think I had a great time. You know, when Aristan was more for creative, you do things with hand, you build things. And we were the first generation of girls who could stud, study memory, architecture and building, like building, literally building stuff. So for that, for girls to be able to do that, uh, it was a first generation, but at the same time, we're kind of like a, uh, guinea pig of the system as well so it was quite chaotic but I really missed that those times you know all, all girls school uh, re studying memory something that is not really meant for girls in Iran 
So I really had a blast with all my, um, actually they have a WhatsApp group, all those uh, students, all of, all, all of my friends still, and they still uh, talk about those days and share pictures and it's incredible. Oh, that's so wonderful. That's so cute. Yeah. So what was happening in the background while you were at school in, in terms of politics in Iran? You know, back then, because that's all I knew, because I'm born after the revolution. Mm-hmm. So that's all I know. I didn't have anything to compare with. But I would hear people like would talk about before the revolution and mm-hmm. that. But, um, you know, uh, it was hard. It was really tough. They called our generation the burnt generation, the generation that had the toughest. Um, you know, was lots of, um, it's not as open as it is now. Right now, I see pictures of Iran and Tehran. It's so open. It's so colorful. It's freer than what I experienced. And like we were scared of um, anything. Like I was literally scared of uh, saying that we have a DVD player at home or we have a satellite at home. Like they would come and raid your house and take your satellites because you weren't allowed to watch anything beside the uh, Iranian TV. So living through that or having a boyfriend, like um, that's, that's just a no-no. So you go to jail for that. And it's just like uh, living under fear and lots of intimidation. It was difficult. But and where, sorry. No, no, but no, no. stop all the girls to have fun. Like we had last, like we really had fun, you know, at school uh, because it was all girls. We bonded in different ways. And, um, uh, you know, because it's one thing that you go to school with a group of people and then each class changes. But if you're in the same group for three years, it's lots of time spent in the same group. So uh, we had lots of, lots of fun. That's so nice, especially when right now, like a prominent, you know, phenomenon in the Persian community is how we, as as women, we can't always trust each other, which is like why it's one of the big reasons me and Natalie started this podcast to like give a space for women to connect without the fear of judgment and those kinds of things. But I wanted to ask more about where your parents stood with this. Do you, would you consider them as conservative or were they also you know upset with the conditions in iran at the time um well everybody was complaining at some point in iran uh for some kind of condition of the country um i think they were they would reminisce like oh this used to be so much better but now we don't have that i remember my dad says oh when we used to go to school they used to give us breakfast in school I was like, what? You had breakfast in school? And it's like, yeah. I was like, that's awesome. And it's like, like these type of things like that I never saw. So things that, um, you know, or the freedom that they had, uh, those type of thing, those are things that they were reminiscing. But um, at the same time, everybody was, everybody's coping and adapting to the, what it is mm-hmm. to move forward. Yeah, I think it's funny for me and Millie, basically almost all of our family left either before or during the revolution. Uh, So I only ever really get to hear like old, old stories from pre-revolution. So it's interesting to hear from someone who grew up after the revolution and got to be like, see what it was like really after. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I don't wish it upon you, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and how old were you when you left Iran? Are you trying to figure out my age, Nadia? <laughs> No. You're very sneaky. You're very sneaky. <laughs> I was uh, I was sixteen, almost sixteen when I left. I didn't also, you were still fairly young. Yes. Yes. I mean I'm seventeen. It was last year, so <laughs> you you don't look a day over seventeen. I thought so. I, I love talking to you guys. Am I confident all already you know, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's very young. Did you leave with your family? Yes, yes. I left with my uh, my sister and my mom and we came to California. Well, what prompted you guys to leave? Um, you know, uh, my father passed away. So my grandma, who was living here for many years, which I didn't have any uh, connection with because I never met. I mean, I saw, I think I met her when I was six years old. But so they said, okay, well, come be with us, you know. And uh, that, that's what basically, nothing prompted me. I uh, was kind of my, my mother's passport and uh, I was part of her luggage. So she brought me here. <laughs> it wasn't like a conscious choice of me making a decision to come. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, would you have stayed there or were you happy to leave, sad to leave? Oh, I really think that my journey has been incredible. I would not change a thing about my life journey. Absolutely. At that point, with even more limited mind that I had, the little you know brain of 16 years old, I wanted to stay. My friends were there. That's all I knew. That's what I, you know, that's all I knew. So I wanted to stay. But looking back now, I'm like, oh my god, like I'm so happy that I did come, that I am here. Um, so yeah, happy to be here. What was the transition like for you? You know, you moved here. I I feel like at such a life-changing age, like being 16, like it's already life-changing. And then to be 16 in a new country with a new language, like what was that like? Oh my goodness, Natalie, you brought up such a good point because it's already chaotic being 16. You have no idea what's going on with your body, with your hormones, why everything's growing and you're so not in shape and what's that, you're like, look weird, you sound weird, you feel weird. And on top of that, you have this cultural shock of shock. You come in here and everything is different. Like in Iran, what I remember when you want to go grocery store back then, now it's different, but you would go like me, the Furushi. Okay. You would go to me, the Furushi and there was Akbar or Askar was there. And they would say, what do you want kid? And you would say, okay, give me apples. And say, okay, apple, this, this here, I'll, I'll charge your mom later. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was how we would go to grocery store. So for me, as simple as getting up and going to Ralph's or other grocery stores, like, oh, like, what is this? Like, what am I? They have me there and they have tampons. They have everything like in the same, under the same roof so that was that was different to me I and mean, so many options so many choices you didn't have that uh, in iran really back then when i was in school like i remember when school supposed to open then they would have a festival that everybody could go to this market festival and buy their pencils and papers and books and stuff Mm -hmm. If you go there, you would get a cheaper price and you would get, and everybody would go there. Everybody would push each other to, to get like 
uh, notebook for their kids and they would run out and like, well, come back tomorrow. And, you know, we, ha- we don't have any more notebooks. So this is what I'm used to. And well, Iran has grown a lot, but then to come here and just feeling the comfort in the air, the energy of, oh, okay, I decide to go buy a notebook now. So I will go buy one. That, as simple as that, was mind-boggling to me. So imagine other things. So very big, big difference from how I grew up and what I have to adapt to. And of course, learning English, which is an ongoing thing for me. Um, that was challenging. And, uh, but one thing I embraced and I loved, there was more openness for me to grow. I could actually go get a job. That was not an option. I remember one summer in Iran, I, in Tehran, my, I went to live with my aunt, which I love. And it was me and my, she has like seven kids and they lived in a very nice house. And my cousin, her name is Farzane, and it was summer. And I picked up a newspaper and back then maybe I was 14. And I looked at the newspaper for job and there was a newspaper and it says they're looking for someone who can work at the back of this uh, juicery and make up havige. You know, up havige? Carrot juice. <laughs> for, our, for our college listeners. Up havige for our college listeners. Up havige is carrot. Uh, someone but the way that man responded to me over the phone, it was just this big aha moment. So, well, how old, how old are you? I was like, I'm 15, 14, 15. He's like, uh, yeah, but, but you're a girl. Yeah, but, but you're a girl. Yeah. That moment clicked for me that there is a difference. Mm-hmm. I didn't know before. So I understood I am limited because I'm a girl. I cannot take a simple job of juicing carrot that anybody can do, girl or boy. So uh, that was to me like, wow. So getting a job is not option here. So when I came to US and I saw the opportunity that anybody can work and we can make whatever you want out of it, it's basically your perception. So that's what I loved about it. And I definitely capitalized on that and went full speed. Like most immigrants who come here and they just wanted to take advantage of the opportunity that is here and utilize it. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful about um, the people who immigrate to America. It's like much more exciting for them because it's something that they didn't have before usually. So it's like, that's don't hate us because you know. <laughs> um, Tell me, don't hate us because why? Oh, because you ain't us. I don't know. A lot of people seem bitter. I know a lot of Americans, like, I mean, growing up in school, they would have a very hostile attitude towards um, Persians becoming very successful in Los Angeles and things like that. So um, You're definitely, our immigrants are more driven. Because yeah. 
now you wow it's available here mm-hmm. but you oh, go you go full force yeah but versus if you grow up having it I, as simple as the when i explain to you about the notebook buying a notebook if you always has been there and you never had to your mom didn't have to go stand in the line for some morning till noon to get your notebook then you don't have that uh, anxiety or passion or whatever you want to call it to oh my god it's available like you kind of become more calm about it and relax so yeah, yeah. i'm proud of all uh, successful persians oh me like us too of course um so how did you get into what you are doing today like tell us a bit about that your journey of your career and yeah see um i'm still i don't think i am anywhere i think i'm moving i think i'm evolving I'm, i think i'm just i don't know what what's gonna happen tomorrow um but i remember that juggling work regular work minimum wage work um and learning english and supporting myself because my, my parents they, uh, she, they went back it was difficult oh and I, wow yeah so i had to so do you're all here alone yeah yeah and uh it was tough so i got um i, I enrolled in the university but it was terrible you know i, I did a couple of semester i was not good and uh, again dyslexia i reading is do you know about dyslexia yeah mm-hmm. yeah um it's really reading is tough numbers are tough and um i was like oh i can't i cannot do everything it was like it was very difficult so i got casted in one music video like somebody in a college campus i don't remember how it panned out but i got cast in a music video and then I did, oh, this is good. So such quick money. And, and then it, that panned up to another one and another one, another one, another one. Like, because, you know, the, as a Persian girl, you have this exotic look mm-hmm. and uh, you're young. And they're like, okay, they wanted you in the video. So uh, I kept doing it. It was great cash and it was just fun. And um, after a while, I was like, well, this is not gratifying for me. Like I want something else. I love the creative aspect of it. I love watching the director and see the story, but I just don't like the, I need something more fulfilling. So I remember my friend, uh, Bodhi Almos, he was in a TV show, Battlestar Galactica. His father is Edward James Almos. He he was in Selena, the one with Jennifer Lopez. He played the father. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, he is, he this incredible family. So I said, Bodhi, um, I want to do something else. I want to, I want to like, study acting. What should I do? And I said, well, this is, this is where you go. You go to Meisner Center, and this is the only person you study with. I warn you, it's tough. So I said, okay, and that's a different story of how I accomplished that. But I had an agent by then, and I called my agent, and I said, um, please do not submit me for music videos anymore because I'm an actor and I refuse to do lesser job such as music videos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an actor. So <laughs> it just took me like two classes to behave that way. Um, so, so, 
so my agent is like, whatever, okay, whatever you say. So um, I got a call from the same agent. And the funny thing is I just heard from her today. They're adorable. And that's how I met Navid Negahban. I don't know if you guys know Navid Negahban. He's an actor too. He played the father in Jasmine, Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, oh, so that's how we met through that agency long, long time ago. But uh, they called me and they said, Sayed, I know you don't want to do music video. I know you're an actor, whatever you say, but we have this role and they specifically has asked for you. Like, I was like, you know what? It's really uh, doesn't utilize my uh, glorious talent that I have as an actor to be a, um, in a music video. So what is this role? It's like, no, they want you. This director handpicked you. It's a music video of good. The name of the uh, group was Good Charlotte, uh, and uh, oh, the, wow. I didn't know who they were. You know? Yeah, yeah they're oh, famous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, you guys laughing at me? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just laughing at like how like how kind of like uh, what sort? Not Najib, but just like. Like modest you are. Yeah, Najib is like modest. Are you trying to refer back that I went to Honaristan? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're just so modest about being in a good Charlotte music video. Like that's huge. But you're like, yeah, you know this band, like whatever, good Charlotte. But keep going with your story. I think this is you amazing. Have different meaning. So, so I went and I kid you not. I was, I arrived and I was like, okay, same thing. Bunch of hot girls in short skirt. I was like, oh, on and limousine and la, da, da, da. I was like, it's the same story of, you know, the same thing. They're like, when I arrived, I said, I'm sorry. They're like, well, yes, come here, come here. I was like, oh, good, good. I, I am not like them. I am different. And, and they took me and they said, okay. And there was this huge ice cream cone costume with a big ice cream pink. And they put it on me. And... They had me wear these like striped stocking and my face was out of the ice cream. You can see me in a video. And we need to link in in the description, everyone. (laughs) They put me in this and I was like, well, this is weird. And then the, the, the scene that I was playing was that, so the limousine pulls up and the Good Charlotte Band is in a video, it's in a limousine and all these hot girls gonna run to the limousine and i'm gonna kind of go through the limousine too like towards the limousine with my costume and i'm gonna give them the finger worse everybody else wanting to like be with them so i I didn't understand what was going on so we kept doing this and i keep getting pushed around because it was a really stiff costume like you couldn't sit or you couldn't like it was kind of like very stiff So it was like my hands were like this the whole time and I couldn't sit down. And um, like they said, okay, well, that was a good shot. The director's like, everybody take a break. Uh, We're coming back in half an hour. Everybody left. I'm like this. Uh, Like I want to go to the bathroom. Like nobody, everybody kind of pushed me around and left. And like this is like very intelligent looking ice cream standing in the middle of the scene. And it was, somebody felt sorry for me. So I really need to use a the restroom. They're like, okay. Then they took the ice cream cone out of me and I went. So I still didn't understand why they handpicked me. So we were like two hours, three hours into the shooting. And then the assistant director comes up, hey, ice cream. I'm like, yes. They called me ice cream. 
they wouldn't oh refer to hey, ice cream. I'm like, yes. He's like, um, this is the director's number. He really wants to take you out. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. He's like, no. I thought this was a joke. I was like, I'm the most hilarious looking person in this video. Anything away from a like, hot, good looking girl. And the director is asking me out. The director was a young, uh, up and coming director. I, I still, I'm still in touch with them. And uh, yeah, so that, that was it. I, I had a good experience working on that set. And uh, yeah, yeah, we went out on a couple of dates and uh, it was nice. And uh, so I think that's why I was handpicked. And, uh, and I asked them on a date, I said, hey, why would you want to ask me out? Like I didn't look very attractive. <laughs> it's like you just had so much fun and you were so easygoing and just how you were a trooper and didn't complain. And that's what, that's what, you know, I, I was watching you and I was like, oh, great. So that was my journey of my first attempt to not to do music videos. <laughs> you ended up playing ice cream in the good Charlotte. Exactly. So that was my first uh, very serious acting role. And I'm definitely going to go look this up after, uh, <laughs> after well, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> that was it. And then, you know, one thing led to another. I wanted to make films. So I attended UCLA, took a bunch of courses there. Uh, I wanted to understand film from different angle, from, from, um, as a entertainment law film, lighting, script writing, I needed to understand better. And uh, so I did that and I was like, I'm going to make my first feature this year, which I was discouraged by many, many people, many people like, why make a short film? Why, especially the first guy uh, was, was Persian. He's like, why do you want to make it long? Make it short, it's easier, it's cheaper. And I was like, well, I think I want to make it's it cheaper. <laughs> I was like, I think I'd like to make a full film. And uh, when that's when I made the movie Fifth and Alameda, because I wanted to be something meaningful. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch it. But we it, both watched it. We yeah. both, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we, wow. we wanted to talk about more. I mean, it was very unusual. It was a very unusual film and there were so many elements of I'm I'm just I want to hear more about like you told us a little bit, but to tell the listeners about what inspired the story for the film. Yes, because sure. it was very intense. Yeah, it's very intense. It's very intense. Like I always warn people, like try to be really in a good state of mind before you watch, you know, don't watch it late at night. Because the image is <laughs> we literally watched it. I, I did, I, I did both that state things. of mind and late at night. I was <laughs> in a horrible state of mind like, <laughs> and late at night, and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> why didn't you warn me? I'm like, I have like an infection from a jellyfish thing, and I like my foot was like push <laughs> and I was like watching this, and I like thought I was I was like getting feverish and watching this, and I'm like, oh my god! But it made it really like it, it kind made of it was more fun. intense, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I am happy to hear you guys laughing because that movie is intense and you guys watched it late. Well, me and Natalie, we laugh about all our trauma. That's yeah, that's <laughs> why we started a podcast, to laugh about our trauma. That's, that's a great way of coping with things. Yeah, so that, uh, that film, the inspiration came about the girls in Iran, girls in Middle East, some of the girls, not everyone, some of them who has been exposed to some unfortunate events 
And um, as any, like anybody else who has a platform, we have bigger responsibilities to use a platform to do something with it. Um, and I wanted to get that message across somehow, but I also recently watched the movie Stoning of Soraya with Shore and Navid and all my friends. And I personally love the movie. I think that movie should have been made. I think amazing, like incredible. Uh, the thing that I learned from that movie was that if the movie is too intense, even more intense than my movie that you guys watched, it loses its audience. Therefore, you don't get your message across. Mm. So I knew I had to make my message still a little bit more watchable and have something to, you know, romance or something in there that is more make it watchable. So that what inspired me to tell the story of something that I read that actually happened to someone. Uh, 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 you know a girl the girls and their how they get mistreated in prison if they go to prison and uh, I wanted to make something about that and I, I never thought that would be the last I thought that's a beginning there's so many other things I want to talk about so it was important to me to take it to this festival circuit so people can see it and I would always try to be there to talk about it to enlighten people to answer questions because it was a foreign language to them completely like what like is this real does this happen I'm like yes it could yes it has this is the belief this is this um and yeah that that that's the story of that movie could you tell the listeners this i mean the original story of what you're talking about well um i read a few different things that um the, I, I've been reading this, I, I keep up with what's happening around the world a, a lot, um, especially with women, women and women's rights. And uh, this particular thing was about how some women have been treated if they are, they were put in prison and they have got the sentence to be hung and they are still a virgin. So sometimes they say you cannot kill a virgin. And I, this is a story that I wrote that because they didn't want to kill a virgin, they made sure that she's not a virgin while she was staying in prison. So they made sure she's not a virgin internally, and then they went ahead and uh, they went forward with her execution. So reading that, just made me feel nauseous and I had to do something to at least talk about it, create a dialogue. And that's what inspired me to do, make that story. But that's, again, that's not just one girl. Right now we're sitting here, so many things happening. I don't, I don't know if you guys know about, I'm very much inspired by the story of Nadia Murad. She's the Iraqi girl. And uh, her story, this is not something, this is not back in like 40, 50 years ago. These things are happening right now. Honor killing is happening right now. You are, we are in US, you're in California, you're in New York, I am in Virginia. We're sitting in the comfort of our home while at the same time, another woman in Pakistan, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, 
is being killed in the hands of their brother, their father, with the mentality of they are disgraced to the family because they put a picture of themselves without a scarves, with makeup on social media. So therefore, I'm going to kill them with my own hands so I can distance myself from this disgrace. This is happening. Uh, there was another story of a girl, Kandil Baluch, in Pakistan, that she was killed by her own brother. The same, the same story was a social media thing. She wanted to be a social media star. Doesn't matter, she didn't deserve to die and the brother killed her. So these stories are what inspires me to you know, further my humanitarian work or tell more stories or get involved with these initiatives. I think uh, we need to talk about it more. So, you know, there's no, more. Uh, of course. I mean, even uh, just recently, I think a month ago, the this girl in Iran who became, I mean, she's been like getting a lot of following on social media uh, for distorting her face because she like was trying to look like Angelina Jolie, but she kind of was looking like the corpse bride and a lot of it is apparently just edited, but it looks like she actually, like, I know she did some plastic surgery, but she distorted her face and she officially has been arrested by the Iranian government for trying to, I'm forgetting like exactly the term they use for why they were able to uh, prosecute her, but it was something like for trying to taint uh, the minds of citizens or brainwashing or something like some, some public indecency kind of thing. And, and she's going to be executed as well. Um, well, there's also an actress uh, in Iran who is like one of the most popular actresses. I, I think this was over a year ago. And she had to flee Iran because she posted a picture, I think on Instagram without a shador. And they threatened to arrest her and to kill her. Um, and she had to leave her whole career, her whole life, her whole family just to stay alive. Um, it is very scary. I think like, like living in America with so much freedom, sometimes we forget that like right now in this year, these things are still happening. This isn't something of the past. Exactly. Um, as much as like we complain about America and like, oh, America sucks or whatever, or everything's crazy right now. People are going insane. But like, we still have so much that other people don't have. Like there's still so much that we take for granted, especially as women as Middle Eastern women in America, I think we forget we like have it so good compared to how so other girls our age have it right now. So true, so, so true. So the more, the more we talk about it, the more we can you know, create a dialogue. That's the first step that, and uh, thankfully to the, for the age you know, social media and internet, there is more accessibility to these things. So it's not just something that your news will feed you and they don't cover that such thing. So, uh, that's why I always embrace social media and internet. I think it has a positive impact. Um, yeah, you're right. We have to be grateful for where we are and use that to help the ones that they don't have this access. Use that for that village in northern Iraq, Nadia's village, who people were being surrounded by Daesh, ISIS, 
hoping that somebody would hear their voice to come and rescue them. Months after months, they were in there, just trapped in their own village, but they didn't have any access for somebody to come help them. I'm sure, and that's in 2014. That's not too far away, too far before. 2014, what were you doing in 2014? Yeah. You know, like, what, what were we doing in 2000? What was I doing in 2014? In 2014, there was a village with many uh, children, women, families that were surrounded by Daesh that didn't have food to eat for months at a time and hoping that somebody would hear their voice. Their own government wasn't helping. And then they would, what, what they did, they would just kill them, put them in mass grave, take the women, make them sex slaves to ISIS. Yeah, I mean, also something, I mean, I follow this girl on Twitter whose father lives in Damascus, and there is word that ISIS prisoners are already being released in Syria. But um, yeah, I, I'm, these stories, they need to be heard. Yes, well, thank you for sharing your um, information and your point of view on this. Um, so basically, yeah, there is always, it's always good to think about people who have less uh, that way we can appreciate what we have. Because when I'm reading this book, and I'm, uh, I'd really like to work more with Nadia Murad, it's like, what was I doing in 2004? I bet you in Los Angeles, it was buzzing, it was hustling, like everybody were like out, maybe some people were dancing in the club, maybe, you know, dinners, lavish this, lavish that. While there are like thousands of people in the village are hostage for months at a time, and their sister, their mother, themselves, the woman is getting taken as a sex slave to ISIS, passed around from one person to one person to one person, and sold on social media as low as $20 on Facebook, on Facebook. What? Yep. As How is that like something that wasn't like, like, I don't know, like, before How is the news not covering right now, that? I've, it's not, I've never heard of this. Sure. It's, it's a Nadia book. Imagine they put the woman on Facebook as low as 20 bucks. Somebody come take the bid. They have the woman and pass on to the next one. And this is a human. This is like a human being with dreams, with goals. It doesn't matter how different than your dream or my dream, but they, they're a human being. Yeah, of course. So, um... That's what that's what's what's happening in 2004, and I'm sure similar things to that is happening right now. So, just reading those things, hearing these stories, and seeing these people exist, um, it's inspirational. Definitely. I I also wanted to ask: Do you still visit Iran, by the way, or is your you said your family is there? Yes, I have lots of extended family there. I have not been to Iran. Uh, lately, but I, my dream is to go to Iran and play Chogan, polo, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, it's a, a sport that was invented there, but yet uh, uh, it has been shrinking there and more played in Argentina and other countries, London. So that was my dream to go back and visit. What about you guys? Have you been to Iran? Neither of us have been to Iran. Really? Um, I think yeah. I think for us being the children of parents that left Iran and and kind of felt forced out during the revolution 
or even a little before the revolution, they felt a little bit of like a disconnect from their country because they felt like they no longer were welcome in their country and their home and they no longer belonged there. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I feel like I was kind of raised never with the idea of going back. Like nobody mm-hmm. ever like said, oh, let's go back or oh, one day. Like my parents, my father only talks about going back if there's a new revolution. That's the only time I've ever heard anyone in my family speaking about going back to Iran is that if there's a new revolution, we would go back either to visit or whatnot. Um, but I don't know, the way Iran is now, like nobody ever, it, it was never really something any, anyone in my family brought up to me, like the idea of going back. Yeah, I mean, our families definitely romanticize and, and rightfully so how beautiful of a place it is and that the culture is like no other. But at the same time, they view visiting Iran as kind of legitimizing the current mm-hmm. uh, system that's in place. So, yeah, to, yeah. Um, yeah, we, I, do, I don't feel welcome there from the way my family's experience was it would be kind of it's it's heartbreaking obviously I I would love to go I mean like even something just to taste the food like to have tachin there like you're not I feel like I'm not having real tachin in LA (laughs) it sucks here I want to something simple is that like I want to try that but I I don't know yeah we'll see So and I mean, I feel like our podcast isn't helping. Like me and we're on our way to get a fatwa. So, <laughs> <laughs> me, well, me and Millie are. For all we know, Millie, we've already been blacklisted from flying to Iran. We don't know. <laughs> so I was like, get me out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, you never know. But you know, but Millie has a confession. Like she's going for a purpose. She's a shekamu. And she's going to go there. <laughs> I mean, like, if you explain that to anybody, I think they would empathize with you and say, yes, you should go. And they would, like, nobody would bother you because they know you're just here for touching anyway. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> would bother you. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, we have, we frequently actually have these guests on our show. Um, there are these two men who they live in Iran and they have their own podcast based in Iran, asking Iranian. Uh, so we've been hearing a lot about what it's like there now from their perspective, but we haven't had any women on our podcast who have like lived in Iran in their adulthood or um, have been there recently, which was, which was part of the reason why we found it so exciting to have you on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, from my understanding, it's very, it actually, the Iranians there, they love foreigners. They think it's like so interesting and they're going to be extra nice to you and all. Mm. So Personally, one day, if I do go to Iran, I would want it to be with Millie. Oh, that like, would- I, I would want to experience Iran with her because I feel like we're in a very similar boat that like, we're both the children of people that were like exiled and like like left and like if I were to go back I would want it to be with someone who like understood my background and my own history with the country and with Iran um so I I have thought about going back with Millie I think before doing the Uh podcast I didn't think I wanted to visit Iran I always wished I could visit Iran pre-revolution because that my like like Millie said our families like kind of like romanticize about pre-revolution Iran and how great it was and how lively it was and if you look 
even at Millie, like the ads that a lot of the ads Millie has chosen to put on our Instagram, they're all pre-revolution and they're all, they're just very like girls in short skirts and everyone expressing themselves and very colorful and very free. Um, so even in our podcast, I feel like sometimes we've taken on like our parents. Well, that, no, US yeah, that's what size pre-revolution exactly. Iran, even though we never lived there, even though we were never a part of it. Um, but because of our parents, we also romanticize it uh, just from the way they talk about it. But yeah, if ever since we started the podcast, I thought about maybe one day going and going with Millie. Sure, you will definitely be well received there. And I'm sure that there will be many suitors lining up for each one. <laughs> for a green card. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As soon as you tell someone you're American, oh, I will give you the world. I will make you my oh, my oh. angel. I love you so much. I want to come then, with you to America. Then they call their friends. Ali, budu budu, du tu duhtaraz Iran mad giving kartaran. Um, wait, well, it's kind of late into the episode now, but I wanted to congratulate you, Sayed. You were recently married. Oh, oh yes. You know how to do the Beshkan and Kel? Oh yeah. Millie, uh, Millie recently learned Beshkan. I can't do no. it. Oh wow. Millie, you're coming up in the world. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you have to uh, perfect that before you go to Iran. <laughs> I, I I'm trying to teach that to my husband, but it, it has not worked yet. But he's working. It's on hard. It. It's really hard. But yeah, it's like my favorite party favor trick to be like, they're like, yeah, what is that? It is. People think it hurts, but it really doesn't. Yeah, I have too much lotion on my hands. Well, that's always my excuse. I just, I, I'm too moisturized. <laughs> that's why it's not making a good sound. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I can't do the, like, no, my grandma does it so well. Oh yeah, usually the older generation, they're good yeah. Yeah, she does yeah, it really well. She does it very loud. <laughs> I can't do it either. But yes, congratulations to you, Saya. Thank very you so exciting. much. We're very happy. I had the perfect, perfect, the perfect um, uh, fairy tale, love story. Everything is beautiful. So, so good. Uh, that's another thing. When I was in Aspen, Colorado, that's where I met my husband. That year, February of 2018, I said, I said this year I am meeting my life partner. And it was December when I went back to Aspen for um, World Snow Polo Championship, which I, every year I play. And I was being interviewed by Aspen Daily. And they said, oh, this year you did this movie, you did this TV show, it has seemed to be such a good year. It was December 18th. And I said, um, yes, but they said, did you get everything you wanted? I said, I did, but one thing I really put out to universe like perfectly, specifically of my partner, and it didn't arrive. And I said, by 2000, end of 2018. Then she laughed. She's like, well, you still have two more days. I said, uh, two more weeks. I said, ah, ha, ha, thank you. So I walked out of that uh, dinner with the Aspen Daily Magazine. I met my husband and he knew immediately. And it happened so quick, so fast and, uh, uh, yeah, we were on our way of uh, getting married. Yeah, wow. we just married in December. 
Millie, maybe like, uh, what's the term when you speak something into the universe and then it happens? Manifest. Manifesting. Maybe manifesting destiny really works. I don't know. Yeah, it's been like a kind of background, like in every episode, somehow talking about manifestation finds its way in. And it's like so interesting that you're saying this. Maybe it does work. Well, I, I've spoken about manifesting and it did work for me. Maybe, maybe we should try it more often, Millie. Manif- the way I manifest things is I try to do like reverse chesh. Like I'm like, this is really bad thing is going to happen and then it won't happen. Oh my God. So that's how I... <laughs> It's so Persian of you. I know. But manifesting does work. Power of your words. Your words have energy. Your thoughts have energy. However you give energy to the subject that you want, you're attracting it to yourself. If it's thought, if you're just scared of something, scared of something happening, scared of somebody doing something to you, scared of something happening, you're giving it energy. Mm-hmm. you're talking about it you're giving it energy so not giving it energy is or giving something else energy is much better for example what do you want to manifest well what have i wanted to manifest in the past no what, what like, do, right now what do you want to manifest right now what i want to manifest i don't know it's it's so hard I, th- I feel like there's so many things and I don't even know where to start to like understand where I want to be. Good. So first you have to be where you want it to be. Melly, do you know what you want to manifest? Yeah, I, I want to manifest being decisive um, because I've been struggling to make a lot of my own decisions and I keep looking to others to tell me what to do mm-hmm. for the first time in my life and I feel a bit lost. You mentioned that. I don't know where to live. I don't know what my next like career move should be. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, but it's like, it's everyone says, oh, you're in your twenties. It's fine. But like, I just, I want to make some decisions and it's just really hard. I'm paralyzed by, uh, indecision. So a good affirmation for you to say, because affirmation is giving energy with your words. A good affirmation would be that I am open and ready to receive all that is perfect and divine into my life right now. And it's always need to be in the present tense. When you do your manifestation, when you give your words, don't say, I will now. It has to be now. I am now open and ready to receive anything and everything that is perfect and divine into my life right now. So I am open and ready to make positive decisions for my life right now. And always when you want to manifest, one important thing is to believe it and have a feeling towards it. That feeling, like when you want to manifest a guy that you like, have the feeling of love. How does it feel when you manifest? Those feelings are really important. The imagination is really important. And your words of present tense is so important. But it 100% works. It's the way universe works. Our, if you look at the water molecule in like a glass of water, mm. if you look at the water and you put nice words in the bottle, like pretty, beautiful, love, care, and then have another bottle of water and put bad things on it, ugly, disappointment, angry, okay? And just look at those molecules with a microscope. 
the water with the pretty words, their molecule is beautiful. It almost looks like a snowflake. If you look at the other water, the molecules doesn't look beautiful. The, you can look that up online. It tells you how our words, how the energy of words, how the feelings of words change even the molecule of water. I've, I've actually heard that in regards to plants. Like they did an experiment with plants where one plant you like cursed at it, yelled at it, was very aggressive to it. And it really started to wilt. And one plant you spoke softly, spoke beautifully, said nice things to it. And it actually... So true. So true. So what's the percentage of the water in our body? <laughs> I guess we have to speak nicely to ourselves. To ourselves, what we say, what we do, what we yeah. think. It's all energy. So be more careful of how we say things instead of saying, I am not able to make decisions. I want to make better decisions. Mm -hmm. Even that switch, that change is, you know, big shift. Instead of saying, I am tired of being this, say, I want to be more of this. Mm -hmm. So that starts your manifestation process. No, you're right. That's really good advice. I guess I don't even see my therapist this week. <laughs> see. Uh, <laughs> well, is there anything um, coming up that you want to tell our listeners about? Any new projects you're working on? Oh, yeah. Project, lots of projects. But uh, this year I have been launching my Give Back Goods product. So uh, there are goods and products that give back to my charity. And uh, they're like yoga set outfits, which you guys would look great in it. They are like um, uh, ginseng drops and they're like um, handmade organic soaps and um, like tennis skirts, things that are um, by purchasing it will give back to my uh, charity. And that's on my page, the missayeshow.com because of my show, my online show. And, we'll add the uh, link in the description. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. So that's what we're excited about for the products that are have kind of a circular good. You do something good for yourself and that you do something good for other people. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, so everyone check that out and you could read more about the charity on Saya's website. Yes. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Love you both. Take good Thank care. Thank you so much for coming on, Saya. Thank you so much. I had a fun time with you too. Love you both. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.